0: Thanks for joining us. You're listening to Living Fountains with Pastor Jim Stewart of Calvary Chapel, Kansas City. Today, our study is in the book of 2 Corinthians. If you're in a place where you can grab your Bible and follow along with us, we invite you to do so. And if you'd like more information on Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, you can visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. Now, let's join Pastor Jim for today's study.
1: I'll read something to you out of Romans. Romans chapter 7, verse 5. For when we were in the flesh, Paul says, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law, having died to what we were held by, so that we should serve in the newness of the Spirit, and not in the oldness of the letter. In other words, that legalistic relationship that existed based on the law was really to show us our desperate need, again, that I can't live up to this righteous standard, I will fail, and I need a Savior. It's very frustrating to try and live that life as a Christian based on the other. The Spirit gives life, Paul is saying, that's what I was communicating. I was communicating about the spirit that's given life. The mere fact that you exist, he says, the mere fact that you as Corinthians exist and have a church, that simply is the letter itself that was communicated, that commendation, and that's all we need because it's the work of God's spirit. It's not written on pieces of paper. It's not written on stone. It's etched in the hearts of men and women by the Spirit. And that's a wonderful, wonderful thing. We want to be that kind of a ministry, not held to. And this is one of the reasons why, we can't, one, we can't find church membership in the Bible. We can't find it anywhere, so we don't have it. If you come to this church and you want to make this church your home church, then this is your home church. And we consider you part of the family. If you're a born-again believer and you're a part of the family of God, then that's great. You know, you then get involved, get to know us, we get to know you. It's, it's wonderful. That's the body of Christ as God does it. But to try and have to have a piece of paper that, you know, endorses one another saying, yes, that makes us all part of one group, I, I don't find that scriptural. Paul here, as a matter of fact, is saying something quite contrary to that, I think. That Man, it's, it's the bond of God's work in our lives and the forgiveness of sin and the newness of life and following the Lord with a, a, a pure heart and the simplicity of God's Spirit. Let's go on in verse 7 as we see this uh I'm not sure, this could be where Walmart got their branding for their jeans and stuff, I'm not sure, but I would title this little section, the 7 through 18, Faded Glory. Now, I don't know for sure if that's where they picked that up, but this is what I would say about that. It's kind of just that idea of faded glory. We'll go through it, and then we'll kind of break it down a little bit as we go through it. But if the ministry of death, so he's going back talking about how the letter kills, and the Spirit gives life, the commendation that they exist, the letter has been written on their hearts, Jesus is the author, Paul's the instrument, the Spirit's the ink, that's what he's talking about in this thought right here. But if the ministry of death, written and engraved on stones, was glorious. He says that was radical. That was a powerful thing that transpired. So that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the face of Moses because of the glory of his countenance, which which glory was passing away. Now, Paul really gives us some insight to what we saw in Exodus after the law was given. Moses would spend time with God. He would be there in the presence of the Lord. And his countenance, when he would come out, he would just have this glowing face about him from being in the presence of the Lord. Now, I, I really think, when you and I are really connected, and this is why we, we don't believe worship is just Sunday morning, you see. I believe worship is a lifestyle as Christians. And that as we worship the Lord, as we're fixed, we talk about this from time to time, that, that scripture that talks about being taken captive, bringing every thought into captivity but that idea of being taken captive is the idea of we are so caught up in his presence that I'm captivated you know about being a captivated audience as we watch the truck going around the cliffs yeah you know I mean now it's kind of captivating you know watching that little video of what goes on and how long it takes to you know that was a 10 minute clip of a three hour ride you know 30 miles long haul But we're captivated because we're looking it's like, oh my goodness, this is just radical. Looking upon the presence of the Lord is captivating. He is the object of our worship and that changes our countenance. As we gaze upon him, there's something that's transferring back to us. As we're gazing upon him, it's coming back to us. It's powerful and Paul kind of talks about that in this. He says, this is what happened with Moses. But he would get in the presence of the Lord, and then he'd put this veil on. Because the people were looking at him, dude, man, you know, cover that up kind of thing. He puts this, this veil on. So, But Paul kind of really says what's going on here. Moses knew what the people didn't know, and that was that it would fade through time. You see, when you and I aren't getting in the presence of the Lord, when you and I aren't in close fellowship with the Lord, when we're not spending time in the Word, when we're not spending time with the main four deals, right? Main four ingredients, Acts 2.42, prayer, fellowship, the Word of God, partaking of communion together. When we're not invested in those things, what happens is gradually the countenance kind of it dis- dis- dissipates a little bit. We don't have that same sense of His presence within us, and it's, it's not kind of exuding from us, you see. There's more of us again and less of him, and we want more of him and less of us. That's our desire. John, you know, said, man, I want to decrease, and he must increase. I want God to increase in my life. That's where they get the idea of, I am second. You know, I'm second. God's first in my life. So this idea, it would pass away. How will the ministry, says in verse 8, if this is true of the ministry that leads ultimately to death, the written and engraved on stones, the law, how will the ministry of the Spirit be more glorious? So he's getting into something. He's going to crescendo here in a few minutes. For the ministry of condemnation had glory. The Old Testament law, it had, it had glory. It's perfect. It's righteous. We all will stand up and say amen. Amen. The Ten Commandments are just and true. God is just and true. And all, we can also all stand up and say, and I am not. Not just me, you too. We're all not, okay? We, we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is the glory that's being spoken of. You see? All have sinned and fallen short of that glory. Follow with me now. For if the ministry of condemnation had glory, in verse 9, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. If, in fact, that which brought death to me, because it's just and right, and now I see it. I know that standard, and I can't live up to it, and I'm condemned by that standard. But there's hope. That's what's so wonderful. And it's a greater glory is that of the ministry of the Spirit through the finished work of the cross, that which we are partakers of, the ministry of righteousness exceeds much more in glory. For even what was made glorious had no glory in this respect because of the glory that excels. It, it pales by comparison. You track with me? That pales by comparison. The two don't match. One that fulfills that perfect work that we need done for us, the cross itself, and it doesn't compare. The law and that which would bring death does not compare to that which would be bringing life. Therefore, he says, because of this, since we have such hope, we use great boldness of speech. Paul says, I've talked plainly to you I've talked straight to you about the gospel itself. We speak with boldness and authority regarding the good news because it brings life. We have such a wonderful hope. What hope is there in the law itself if there's no way you can live up to that righteous standard? Man, I am bummed. There's, what hope is there? But hope is the expectation of for sure future good. The constant expectation of future good. That's what hope in the New Testament, whenever you read the word hope, that's what the implication is. The constant expectation of future good. So we have this hope, this constant expectation of future good. Therefore, we have boldness to communicate. Now, if you and I were to look at someone, like the guy that's gonna be coming and sharing on the 9th, if we were to look at him 10 years ago, he's a meth freak, He's just messed up. He's just caught up. I mean, just completely embedded into the world, okay? And we just say, well, I'd say that guy's pretty much out of the reach of God. Really? How about you? Who decides where the line is of who's out of the reach of God? My Bible says that he saves to the uttermost. Wow. That's to the furthest distance possible, the uttermost. God reached out and grabbed your heart, grabbed my heart. While I was dead in my sin, while you were dead in our sin, God reconciled us through his son Jesus Christ to the forgiveness of sin. God paid the price and got got us connected with, with the hope that we have, salvation itself. Who decides, none of us are gonna decide where that line is to be drawn then, are we? I don't wanna decide that. That's up to God, we know that God God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. That's the heart of God, that all should come to repentance. So who should we share with? Who should we talk to about the good news then of the gospel of Jesus Christ? Everybody. Absolutely. Anybody and everybody. Anybody and everybody. Everybody we want to share this hope with. That's what Paul's saying. That's the kind of boldness. And not only that, but think about the boldness that we have as believers. We have a boldness into the access of his very presence because it's not based on what I did or didn't do, how I acted, how I didn't act, any of that. It's based on the finished work of the cross. You see, it's not hinged on your faithfulness. It's hinged on what he's already done. It's hinged on God's faithfulness toward you and toward me. So now I have direct access. Come boldly, he said, to the throne of grace in time of need, because God knows he's acquainted. We have a high priest that's acquainted with our griefs and sufferings. He was tempted just the same as you and I, meaning tested, but yet without failure, without sin. But we have this great access because he, our high priest Jesus, knows you, he knows me. He knows the weakness and our frailties, and he loves us just the same. And he says, come, let us reason together, come. I wanna talk to you about that. Yeah, that was a pretty stupid move, Jim. What were you thinking? Well, I wasn't. Well, you obviously thought about it a little bit. I guess so. Well, when you thought about it a little bit, what were you thinking? It wasn't right. I, I, you know. And God gets us to that point of confession, doesn't he? To where we just say, you know, I agree with you, God. I was wrong. And we move on. Repent and go on. That's the course of the Christian experience. Repent and keep moving. Don't stop short of what God wants to do in and through your life. He says, we have that kind of hope. We have that kind of boldness. He says, we use great boldness of speech. Unlike Moses in verse 13, who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadily at the end of what was passing away. Didn't want him to see that, that this, this countenance that was glowing was going to fade away. What hope is there in that which is perishing? Right? What hope is there in that which is perishing? See, our hope is beyond this life, isn't it? Our hope is in that which is not perishing. A, a, a city made without hands, right? That's what, what uh, Abraham said. That's what the, the place he wants to be a part of. That city made without hands. The city of our God. The place that God's created for all of us to go. When Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, you may be there with me also. That place, eternity in his presence. That's the place, fan. That's, that's where we want to go. That's never going to pass away. But we don't want to look on that which is just passing away and focus our attention on that. But their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament. He says, they, this is the thing. They read that part, and they think it's because it's so glorious that the veil's put on, that they, they couldn't look upon the glory. And that's why Moses has the veil. And Paul says, no, that is not why. Paul is shattering a radical, radical Jewish concept, blowing it to smithereens, just completely imploding all of their... their their thoughts, and they cannot see it. They do not accept it as a general rule because they believe that the glory is within the law and they do not see that it is passing, you see, in that sense, that something greater exists. Check it out. Read along with me. Don't take my word for it, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains, unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in the person of Christ. In that relationship with Jesus Christ, all of a sudden we see, ah, I've got Jesus. I know I can't live up to that, but now I've got Jesus, he did live up to that. He's my savior. Oh, it makes sense, doesn't it, it's awesome. But even to this day, when Moses is read, a veil lies on their heart. So true, isn't it? Makes sense. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. If you want to read further, and for your own notes, uh, just for time-saving sakes, the glory of the law that fades, will pass away, Exodus 34, 29 through 35. Give you, we've, we've taught through that fairly recently. That means within the last five years. For me, that's fairly recently. That's what happens when you get a little more miles on you. Five years, well, that was fairly recent, you know. Exodus 34, 29 through 35 and I'm sure a lot of you that were here with us your bibles just all marked up with all kinds of notes and stuff from that but that was also somewhat of a joke but that's all right <laughs> it's all right you guys very serious this morning I understand me too we kind of get this I think the idea of the the glory of the new covenant that we have this this hope that we have this is awesome it's powerful it's wonderful it's wonderful kind of sums up in verses 17 and 18 this, this thought. He says, "Now, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. So the Lord is the Spirit. Again, he's just making this connection. He says, the Spirit isn't, it's part of a triune Godhead. You see? The three in one. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And he's saying, hey, they, they all work together. There's not some distance between. Them. They're all working together. They're one. No. Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. Now again, the freedom is this. I have been set free, you have been set free from the bondage of sin and death. See, we are free to actually live in the newness of life. I'm, I'm no longer bound to my old sin nature. I've been set free from that. So I don't have to say, oh, well, that's just the way I am. No, I've been born again. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. We all are as saved followers of Jesus Christ. We're born again, new life in him. And this new life brings tremendous freedom. But the freedom is to be used wisely, It's to be used to bring God glory. It's to be used for his purpose and his plan. You see, it's not freedom to go just do whatever I want because I know I'm saved. That's a misunderstanding of the freedom. The freedom is, is that I've been set free from the bondage that I was under because of the law. All are under the law until we come to Jesus Christ. You see, once we come to Jesus Christ, we're set free from that bondage because I can't live up to it anyway. Now I'm set free. No guilt, no shame. Do you, it's so amazing when you read through, and we'll catch these spots in the New Testament from time to time. We read through and it says, you're seen blameless before the Father. I love that. I'm usually not blameless in most circumstances. I try to be, but I, I, it just, my, it's just maybe it's a youngest kid thing or something. I don't know what happened, but I just, if something went, happened, usually I was nearby or around or involved somehow. That was just the nature of my life growing up. So sometimes when something goes wrong, I'm always thinking, oh gosh, I wonder if I was even there. You know, I, I try and rack my mind. And remember what Was I a part of this somehow? Or what's, you know, but to know that God sees you and me blameless, and you and I know who we are, you know who you are, just like I know who I, deep we know. We miss the mark, but the Father in his Son sees you, sees me, blameless in his sight. Isn't that glorious? Isn't that wonderful? Oh, I thank God for that, to be seen blameless. Brings tremendous liberty and freedom. You know, not this bondage thing. Not this, you know, works trip concept, but freedom. Freedom. You know, there are people that are giving their lives and willing to give their lives on a regular basis that allows us the freedom that we get right here, right now, to sit and gather and to worship God, to protect those rights that you and I get to enjoy. We should be thankful for them, thankful for those that are willing to risk. But when you go past that and you think, man, Jesus gave his life. That I might be set free to experience true freedom. What a great truth. But we all, with again, unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord, looking upon Him and seeing Him, are being transformed, not this idea of, you know, trying to go through some correction system or something like that, but no, actually being transformed from the inside out, changed, or being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. God is changing us from glory to glory. You are seen blameless. The work's in progress. There's, nobody's gonna question that, right? The work's in progress. I I haven't arrived. We know Paul talks clear, but we haven't quite gotten there. We're not going to hit this state of sinless perfection and then, whoo, hey, enter into heaven. Maybe a few years of sinless perfection, and then I don't think so. It's not going to happen. The Bible doesn't say that. But what we do have is this glory of looking upon the Lord and His forgiveness, His grace and His mercy shown back toward us. And that is then reflected back through our lives because we're transformed from the inside out. Thank God for the finished work of the cross, for the glory that does not fade away. That perfect, changed life that God does inside of us. And that's the countenance. Again, he says, I love this, it's not us. It's God through his son Jesus that was capable of this task. It's not us. The mere fact that you guys are believers, he said to the Corinthian church, the mere fact that you're believers is just an endorsement Of who God is in us, moving through us. We're just the instruments, man. But man, God has written with the ink of His Spirit through His Son, sending that letter. You guys are that to everywhere you go. You are that as Christians to everywhere you go. You're that letter. When you get near somebody, the kingdom of God got near that person that day. That's the truth. When you get near somebody who's a Christian, you're a Christian and they're not, the kingdom of God drew near to them that day because God dwells within your life and my life. What a wonderful truth. May his glory shine through your life. May the countenance of his goodness be there through your lives. All who are thirsty, all who are weak, just come to the fountain. Hi, this is Pastor Jim. You know, I know as we listen to the Word, oftentimes the Spirit begins to convict us. And you know, Jesus said He's the way, the truth, and the life, and that no one comes to the Father but through Him. You know, it is very exclusive, Christianity is, and I know that offends some, but it's also all-inclusive in that Anyone who would give their life to Jesus can have everlasting life, but it is exclusive in the sense that Jesus said he is the way, the only way to have everlasting life. If the Lord's tugging on your heart just now, would you open the door and let him in? Just pray this simple prayer of faith along with me now while you're driving or, or wherever you are, Uh, Whatever you're doing, sitting in front of a computer, wherever you are, whether it's through the internet or through the airwaves, I just encourage you right now to open your heart to Jesus and begin that new life. Just pray this simple prayer with me Jesus, I want to ask you to come into my heart, to forgive me of my sin, to be my personal Lord and Savior. I thank you for forgiving me. I thank you for the newness of life that I have in you, and I ask that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit that my life might be pleasing to you and give you glory.
0: I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed and received the Lord into your heart today, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us or another Bible teaching church in your area so you may be encouraged in your new journey. If you'd like more information about Living Fountains or Calvary Chapel, Kansas City, simply visit our website at calvarychapelkc.com. And if you're social media savvy, you can like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Calvary Chapel KC. Also, Living Fountains podcasts are available in the iTunes store now, and you can download them at no cost. If you're in the Kansas City area and you'd like to join us for worship, we meet in Overland Park on Sunday mornings. The service times and directions can be found at calvarychapelkc.com, or you can simply contact the church office at 913 681 1635. It's been great spending time with you today in God's Word, and we look forward to you joining us next time on Living Fountains.